Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my business empowerment program. It is a nine-week one-on-one business coaching program designed to take your business and life to the next level. So if you are a coach, consultant, or service provider, and really want to take your business from static to successful, if you feel like you're hitting a plateau, feeling stuck and overwhelmed, and really not sure what your next step is, then head across to my website at periscopecoaching.com.au and check out the business coaching section. And you can find all my free resources there and more information about my business coaching empowerment program. So with that said, let's jump into the episode. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast, Creating a Shift with Catherine Maslin. Catherine is a qualified naturopath and nutritionist who is on a mission to change the face of health and to help others live a life that they love. As the best-selling author of Get Well, Stay Well, Catherine is a sought-after media commentator, speaker, entrepreneur, and podcast host. She is a pioneer in her industry and has developed a world-class membership model of natural health care, which is changing the face of health in Australia. Catherine has been featured on the Today Show, ABC Radio, and in Wellbeing, Good Health, and Marie Claire magazines. In 2019, Catherine released The Shift, a world-first audio documentary podcast designed specifically to help you make your shift. Through an insightful and immersive listening experience, The Shift will help you cut through the murk of misinformation, giving you the absolute facts from the most reputable global health experts. Our conversation covers everything around what holistic health really means and looking at the whole picture, not just the symptoms, how wellness is a journey, not a destination, the work-life balance myth, microbiome and their effect on our health, cultivating joy and being kinder to ourselves, self-care being mindful and a conscious act, expanding a business and its new challenges, how we all have a negative bias and it's just about how we handle it, getting to know why we do what we do what our existence inventory is, the membership-based model that she uses at The Shift, as well as the expansion and growth that her business has gone through and how she's overcome those challenges. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. I'm so excited to get into this conversation and thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk a little bit more about health and about what you've created with your business and your new exciting podcast, which is coming up. So just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started um, and, and a little bit about your journey along the way? Yeah, I can. Okay. So I'm going to give you long story short. Um, I grew up in a home with domestic violence. And as a result of that, it kind of catapulted me out of my home into North Queensland via various means when I was 15 years old. So when I was 15, I was on my own and I moved up there and I, I got to know a family really closely. And I got this woman called Jenny, um, we were very good friends and she was like a bit of a second mum to me. So Jenny had a condition called lupus, systemic lupus, which is an autoimmune disease that's quite progressive and quite debilitating. So over the months and years that I got to know Jenny, what I saw was that she just got sicker and sicker and her medication cabinet grew and grew. And it was the first time I'd ever really experienced that in my life, you know, being around somebody that was really sick and experienced the medical model and how that works and that whole system. And I just thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. So I guess that sparked something inside of me. And then I stumbled upon a book on herbal medicine. um, And that would have been now 20 years ago, I guess. Um, And I really fell in love with herbal medicine. And that's been my mainstay ever since. I just thought there's all this medicine out there. Why don't people know about it? So I moved to Brisbane, went to study naturopathy. Unfortunately, halfway through my naturopathy degree, Jenny passed away. So she was 52 years old, um, which is, you know, pretty sad and heartbreaking. But it also really strengthened my resolve to go, well, there's got to be a better way. You know, let's, let's do something about this. And I guess I've been on a mission ever since. So when I graduated 
Um, I started practicing straight away. I've been practicing for 12 years now. And I started my business um, at Brisbane Natural Health and Shift um, about eight years ago now. Um, so that's been a bit of a journey as well. So we've in our Brisbane clinic, we've got a team of 15 staff. Um, we are multimodality. So we do naturopathy, acupuncture, myotherapy, etc. And our business model is a little bit unique. So over the years, obviously things have changed. But over the years, we've, we've had this progression of trying to move out of the session to session model and trying to move out of the model where people have a problem and we're like, well, we'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks or we'll see you whenever you feel, you know, that things are bad enough that you need to come back into a model where we wanted to really manage them through that process and manage them through the journey. So we're actually a membership based clinic now and we're the only one in Australia that does it this way so when people come in to see us what happens is we assess them we look at what are all of the problems going on for you okay this is what the journey is going to look like these are the sessions are going to have in between this is what you're going to need to do in between to show up but the idea is we're looking at that end result so we work with people for a minimum of four months helping guide them through that process um, and then moving on from there so that's where we're at at the moment Phenomenal. Just amazing. I'd love to know with um, so Brisbane's Natural Health, did it start off as a membership or did it something that evolved into that? Nope. Um, we've been membership only probably for three years now, probably just over three years. But no, we started in the traditional naturopathic model where we were just servicing clients and doing that side. We then progressed to doing programs where we would do like a set number of sessions. And even that was just, just not quite right. So the idea with the membership is that it's, it's just better for everybody. It's better for the patient because they're kept accountable. It's not like a gym membership where they drop off and we're like, oh, well, that's good. We're like, where are you? You've got to be coming in. What's happening? So they're kept accountable to come to their appointments and push through the difficult parts of the journey, which often is what trips people up and makes them fall off the wagon. But from a business perspective, it also means that we can work with less people and more deeply. So we choose to work with less clients. So we have less volume coming in, but we're able to actually work with the people that we're working with on a deeper level. And that's been really powerful as well both for us and our stress levels as practitioners but also just as on a business perspective too mm, for sure but I love the that concept because it's taking completely away from the normal way that we see someone when we're sick and then you get a you know an hour appointment or if you're lucky an hour appointment and you get a little bit of advice and that practitioner gets to know a little bit about you but there's so much more to health would you agree Oh, definitely. I mean, and that's our philosophy is that wellness is a journey and there's a number of different resources that you're going to have to pull in along the way to be successful. And it's not about treatments and it's not about supplements. It's not about any of that. It's about the person really being empowered to go on that journey and understand it and be able to push through. And sure, the supplements, the herbs, the treatments are awesome, but they're tools. They're not really the mainstay. The healing comes from within and we're just facilitating that process. So it's quite the opposite of the medical model where it's like you go in and you take your one thing which is doing the specific action symptomatically um, it's more looking at how do we go on a longer term journey to get into the root of the problem and heal it for good ultimately mm. and often that is the case we can do that and obviously sometimes there's not and I'm not saying there's no room for the medical model definitely we work alongside doctors and they have their place it's just I believe that helping your body to heal itself first and foremost should be the first step and diet and lifestyle is the underpinning of that and then getting natural treatments that aren't going to harm you as well. Mm. rather than dealing with just the symptoms you're actually looking at the whole cause of it and I love how you've managed to work that into a business model as well because it's like almost supporting the commitment from the client too right that's right. So our business, our overarching business is Shift and Brisbane Natural Health is like one of our clinics of that. Um, but we changed our name to Shift not too long ago and it was with a lot of consideration of what do we help people to do and ultimately we help people to shift. We help them on their wellness journey and it's through the little shifts that they make that they end up with big results. So what we're real specialists in is is not so much, well, we're great at the treatment supplement side, don't get me wrong, but it's that and then combining that with looking at how does that person navigate that journey so they get to the end? How do they overcome the roadblocks? And a lot of this might be um, emotional, spiritual as well. So looking at that mental, emotional side, why do we get in our own way? Why do we self-sabotage? Why do we not get to the end of things? So there's that consideration that there's a lot going on for us as humans and we need to try and look at all aspects. Mm, I love that because it is all connected. There is no separate thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's interesting because, I mean, I talk about this on my podcast a bit, is that, you know, when you're nervous, where do you feel it? Like you feel it in your gut. You know, nervousness is an emotional reaction. You feel it in your body. So it is really easy for pe- people to make that connection. And I think people are starting to understand the mind-body connection a bit more. It used to be thought of as, well, that's my brain and that's, that's my body, but it's just so intrinsically connected. You can't look at one without the other. And what's been your experience with when you introduce that that model or even still today, like when people are coming in to see you, is that an expectation that's got up from the get-go or is it, how is it received from the client? So we, I mean, all of our, our marketing, everything is about holism. So it's like we're looking at the whole of you. We're looking at the journey. It's not about quick fixes. So we talk about this as we go through. Um, we talk about it with our patients over the phone when they're booking. Yep, this is the process. This is what's going to happen. We send them an email with a video because obviously... I guess the other thing business-wise is we're a membership-based clinic and nobody else is. So it is a little bit different for people to make that paradigm shift of, oh, but I'm used to doing it this way. So we have built a lot of support in for people to help them with that because once they get it, they're on board. They're like, oh, my God, that makes total sense. I want to do that. Um, but it can be a little bit of resistance if they're used to, say, seeing a naturopath as they want to here and there and then they come into this model where they have to do this. In our model, in our model people need to do the work. No, it's, there's no hiding. You can't just, you know, cruise along and get a bit of acupuncture or do that. You know, you have to do the work um, because ultimately you're healing yourself. But our job is to try and facilitate that as much as possible, I guess. So it is a lot of mindset and coaching for that. I love that. And I just love the journey concept as well that, you know, there is no, there's no end destination. It's the journey. It's understanding what's causing it on a daily basis rather than thinking it's just a fix or, you know, looking for a solution specifically. And when when I made that realisation within myself, which was maybe about maybe about 10 years or so, it wasn't long after I'd graduated naturopathy actually, that we're not here to be fixed. You know, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with you. Like you don't need to be fixed. It's just you need to understand where you are on the journey and take steps to get you back in that right direction. And this is where what you said around that journey never ends. It doesn't. But when we're in our acute healing process, we need a lot of support and to push through that. But when we're good, we're good. We just got to wait for the next road bump and see what life throws at us. (laughs) And what sort of challenges do you have that come up most? What's the patterns that you see with most clients to where are those roadblocks coming into play for their health? Yeah, so it's it's quite predictable um, for most patients around the two-month part of their journey. So what happens is people come in and they're really motivated. So it's really easy to start something. We've all done it. Anyone yeah. can go, I'm going to start a diet today. I'm going to start a juice cleanse. I'm going to start exercising. It's easy, yeah? But the hard part is seeing it through to the end and seeing it through when it gets tough. So what we find is and in the intake, people have really good motivation. So they're motivated and they've got that. And the motivation will drive them because they've got it and they're excited. But then over time, that motivation wanes and that willpower muscle wanes a little bit. So most of our clients probably around the six to eight week mark is where they first hit their first roadblock where they begin to get discouraged and the way that it shows up in our naturopathic consults is they'll be like oh like you know it's it's been all this time and my skin's still whatever and you're like okay but your sleep's better um (laughs) your sleep's better your energy's gone from a five to an eight out of ten the anxiety is not there anymore your hair's stopped falling out and literally you you could name off ten different things but the one thing to them is that they focus on the negative Mm. Um, part of that is what we call negative bias it's like we'll always look at the negative rather than the positive and the way that we explain it to our clients is and we have a little video for this because it's such a big thing is um if you think of a memory something that's happened to you think of something bad So a really bad memory, it'll come to you right away. You'll be like, okay, I can think of that. And the question I ask is how many times have you replayed that one memory over and over and over in your head? And the answer is like, it's an infinite amount. It can be thousands and thousands, right? But I ask them to think of a positive memory. What's a really good thing that's ever happened in your life? How many times have you replayed that emotional memory over in your head? And the answer is not really many. So our brains are negatively geared. It's just a natural physio, like it's a thing that we do. So we need to be really aware that we're always going to focus on the negative. And by focusing on the negative, that can mean sometimes we end up with more of the same. Yeah, so we're kind of where we're manifesting that, we're calling that in, um, but it is, it's a journey. So that, that's often one thing is people not celebrating their success and just getting a bit disheartened. So you need to be really clear about looking back, okay, where's my progress? What have I done? And really celebrating that so that you can continue to move forward. Mm, love that. I think that's one of the key things that a lot of people don't do is actually celebrate what they've achieved. We just keep going on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, right? And they just don't actually focus on, well, how far have I actually come? 
So yeah, yeah definitely really important. So what would you say are your key pillars of health that you would focus on within the clinic? Okay. So above all else, emotional wellness. Yeah. Because if our emotional wellness is taken care of, we will look after ourselves. So there's no point in going, this is the perfect diet because if the mindset isn't right or we hate ourselves or, you know, we have stuff going on in our heads, we won't do what's right for us. We just won't. Um, it's because it's going to reflect how we're feeling inside. So our main focus is, is emotional health, like getting, getting that sorted out. But however, the physical stuff's really important too. And it's hard to sort your emotional health out if you don't have good nutrition and if you're not doing that. Mm. So definitely emotional wellness, um, diet and the food that we eat, um, environmental toxins, so looking at what is impacting us in the environment, um, hydration, basics, hydration, sleep, you know, making sure we're doing that. And the other one is what I like to call cultivating joy, you know, making sure that we're really conscious about how we're existing day to day. And this comes into, am I overstretching? Am I filling my life with everything? Am I on social media every minute of the day? Am I saying yes to everything, even though I'm exhausted and burnt out? So just really I call it like an existence inventory. How are you existing day to day? So they're, they're really the main pillars that I think people need to look at. And the, or the, the one overpinning that all is support, you know, be supported. And it might be by a practitioner, but it might also be a friend, you know, or a family member or an online community or a podcast like yours, you know, somewhere where they can plug in and feel like they, they're supported and they have the information that they need. Mm. I love that. That is awesome. Like honestly, looking at the existence inventory, like that is a really great concept to to consider that. And so often we don't sit down and actually think about how we exist and it's not necessarily intentional, right? Like it's often just reacting and just responding to life, you know, things being thrown in our path. So is there um like when it comes down to the emotional wellness concept, what are the key things that you would consider or what, what patterns do you see, I guess, with your clients? So it's like you were saying, you don't get there overnight. It's, it's mindfulness because what happens is it's, we don't start off like here. When you have a health problem or a crisis, you're in anxiety or an overwhelm. You don't start there. You don't go from zero to a hundred. Um, but what happens is because of the lack of awareness, it slowly creeps up on us day by day, by week, by week, it becomes more and more and more until like, we're like, whoa, this is really affecting me now. So the first part of emotional wellness is being mindful and trying to get people back in their body or, or what we call embodied. So a lot of people are living up in their head. It's all about the thinking, the thinking and the worrying and the ruminating and our monkey mind just going cray cray constantly. It just never shuts up. Um, but trying to just calm that and get back into our bodies. So being mindful is part of that. To create mindfulness, you need to create space. And by creating space, we talk about just having time to be. And this is where we, we have this habit, especially with our phones and technology, where every moment we're doing something, we're at a traffic light, we're checking Facebook. We wake up in the morning, we're on, we're on social media. Um, we're cooking and we're listening to a podcast like we're doing something all the time like we're mm. co-doing which is great for performance and stuff and I'm into that <laughs> um, but you need to be conscious of space so one of the things that I do is when I wake up in the morning a I don't check my phone I get up I make a peppermint tea because I can't drink coffee I drink coffee if I could um, but I drink a peppermint tea and I sit on my balcony and I just be I don't have my phone I'm not listening to anything I'm not reading anything but I'm just sitting and I'm just allowing my thought process to go through and it's just creating these little moments of space it might be um sometimes when i go for a run i'll just stop and lie on the grass for 10 minutes you know just just being we don't do that anymore you know if you think back to your childhood humans did that a lot more you know we just we just sat around or even even just sitting around and talking like it doesn't happen so much as it used to anymore mm -hmm. so creating space is, is the next one so you need to be mindful you need to create space but then also it's dealing what i call dealing with your shit or your stuff yeah <laughs> and this is where <laughs> just identifying that, you know, we've all got stuff, you know, that we, that's been from our past, from stuff that we've accumulated, emotions, traumas, belief systems, whatever it is, but we all have stuff that's toxic to us because if we didn't, we'd be happy and thriving and we wouldn't be having these conversations. So it's identifying, okay, well, have I done anything to help to grow and progress for my stuff? And that might be like within our clinic, we have an emotional wellness team. So we have hypnotherapy, counseling, um, psychotherapy that we do in person and online. And then we also have kinesiology and some like energy work. So we have, we have a team of people and sometimes people will actually go between all three of those modalities. Um, but it might be, you know, 
doing some psychotherapy. It might be, you know, there's a lot of different practitioners and means out there to help you with this stuff. Mm. The end result is you want to be able to move energy, move emotion and release trauma. Um, And any way that you can do that, I think is going to be really positive. The biggest thing for me in that has been doing like a 10 day fast. So there's a place in Bali that I go to called Natural Instinct Healing who are amazing. Um, And doing a 10 day fast is really like the, epitome of all of the stuff so you get the physical detox but more than anything all of your emotions come up you can't hide from them and you can get into some really deep deep release work with that too so you need to do work you know this is the thing people need to be ready and they don't need to be intense like it might be listening to a mindfulness podcast once a week um or it might be just you know carving out 15 minutes in the calendar every day just to go and sit in the backyard it doesn't have to be crazy but you do need to do a bit of work and create space to move this Mm -hmm. stuff Absolutely. I totally agree. I, and literally just starting where you're at. Like if you can only inject 10 minutes into your day where you set aside that space and just allow yourself to be rather than having to be on your phone or doing 50 million things, like even just that small little space can create so much more space later on. Like I am all over that. Like honestly, my emotional wellness is where I spend most of my time with my clients and being able to set up a mindset that's designed for success and being able to deal with your shit, I think is the most important thing, especially as a coach. Like we honestly, like you see the difference in the coaches that are actually working on their own stuff compared to the coaches that are not. And it's just helps to shift everything for sure. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned that obviously diet is a really big component of this as well. So um, tell us a little bit about how you've noticed a difference in the shift in diet. So the food that we've been told to eat our entire lives is makes us sick. Okay, so largely grains, dairy, um, a lot of the mainstream foods that we eat just just aren't great for our body. And you can see it in in the rates of obesity and the rates of rising illness. So in my podcast, um, there's a whole episode. It's actually two parts. It was so big, it's in two parts. And it's called... what did I call it? Ended up calling it. It's about the concept that we're, we're, we're becoming the weaker species. Like if we keep going and keep treating our bodies and eating what we're eating as a population at the moment, we will end up extincting ourselves. So you've got rates of infertilities on the rise, rates of obesity, every chronic disease you can imagine is, is on the rise still. So, and if it continues in the, at the rate it is, then we're in trouble, you know, 10, 15 years, my daughter's generation, like when they get older, it's going to be a lot of problems. So largely it comes down to just, processing and eating a lot of foods that our ancestors just never did. So before the industrial revolution, before um, agriculture and farming, we didn't have mass processed food, you know, like we grew food out of the ground and we prepared it and we ate it and we didn't eat a lot of grains so that because there wasn't mass milling and huge farms and that type of thing. So I think we do eat too much wheat, too much grains, but in particular, grains that have been modified. So wheat, all the wheat that we eat um, in Australia and the US and across the world is actually modified. So it isn't anything like what our ancestors ate. Um, our ancestors ate wheat that was really tall. Ours is really short. The gluten content is different. Our body doesn't recognize it as food and that has a heap of health detriments. So definitely refined grains are up there. Sugar, you know, humans aren't meant to eat this much sugar at all. And we all know that that's sort of problematic. Um, and these foods we crave as well. So they set off our emotional pathways and a lot of it ties into that emotional wellness work which I was talking about at the start and the the other part is just lack of nutrients not enough fruit not enough vegetables not enough whole foods um, and too much processed food so a a deficiency in fiber is a really big one as well particularly when it comes to our health and our microbiome Um, so there's a there's quite a few issues that we need to have a look at and then because we're becoming so sensitized because of our microbiome health and our immunity is all that. So many people are intolerant and allergic to foods as well. So then they go through eating these foods, which are normal and shouldn't really cause a problem, but they're causing inflammation and a lot of problems for them and a lot of symptoms. So this is where it is something that you need to have a look at. But if you want to go really basic, eat completely whole foods, gluten-free whole food diet. You can't really go wrong with that. Um, It's, it's the most more simplistic pace. That's, that's where you want to go. Yeah. Awesome. And I think it's, like I have been on that journey myself. Like I've cut out gluten for a couple of years now and have really seen the difference in my energy levels and being able to have less cloudiness, just actual brain function <laughs> and just even the effect that it has on mood. So mm-hmm. like I absolutely love, love this conversation and I've even been looking more into understanding microbiome and how that works in the system. So I'd love for you to speak on that because I think so many more people need to know about how my understanding our microbiome and how that 
impacts our whole system in our bodies. Yeah, so I'm I'm fascinated by the microbiome, and I decided to create a podcast called The Shift, and uh, it's about how people get from where they don't want to be to where they want to be. And the first season is on gut health, so it's 12 episodes all around gut health. Um, I went to the US, UK, and around Australia and interviewed 25 experts on gut health um, from from all over uh, in January, February. So it's been a massive journey for me of learning and discovery and exhaustion a little bit too. Um, but um, this the podcast has just been released and essentially what it is, it's an audio documentary guiding people through that process of gut health. And the microbiome comes up in just about every single episode because your microbiome is where it's all at. There's two to three kilos of bacteria, yeast, viruses, archaea living in your gut. And uh, these organisms really control us. So there's more bacteria in your gut than there are human cells times, times like 99. So if you break down the DNA of your body, you are 99.5% bacterial DNA and only 0.5% human DNA and they have all kinds of metabolic functions so for instance when we're looking at gut mood your gut produces 80% of your serotonin some some estimates say even higher it's where we produce some of our GABA which is our calming neurotransmitter Um, there's a few other things there's butyrate in there which keeps neuroinflammation in the brain down so there's a huge gut brain connection 80% of your immune system sits in the gut too. So whenever we have allergies, asthma, autoimmune problems, immune deficiency, anything immune related, we always need to look back to the gut. It's really fascinating. Um, But we also know now that there's certain keystone species in the gut that are associated with different conditions. So certain bacteria might be associated with obesity, for instance. So we know that people who are prone to obesity more will have a different bacterial um, makeup than people who aren't. Certain bacteria are protective against certain diseases so it's fascinating um there's so much research being done in this area and in 10 years time i i really it's just fascinating what's coming out because what we know now is really cool but the technology and the testing and the stuff that we're it's just allowing us to know more and more Mm. but what we do know is that naturopathically we've always said that all disease begins in the gut hippocrates says all disease begins in the gut so it's something we've always known it's just now that science is proving it so the medical system's starting to get on board with this slowly um but it's where it's all at if you could fix one thing in your body make it the gut because then you have impacts in other areas of the body too Mm, awesome yeah oh love it and i'm so fascinated by it as well i totally agree and i would imagine then being able to have so much insight into so many experts and to have done the research that you've done you must get so frustrated with certain things that are coming out for people and what we're hearing the misinformation that's just going around especially with you know the influencers telling us how we should be healthy and you know people who aren't necessarily qualified and also like the, the marketing that goes around with the superfoods, like constant superfoods. And I wonder, like even with, you know, not necessarily should be, we should be eating grains, yet there's such a constant barrage about information around superfoods. So I would love to know a little bit more about what are some key things that you are seeing that we really should be researching more about or we should be kind of ignoring because it's not necessarily based on your research. I think um, it's important to look at where your information is coming from and look at who, who is, like, what are the qualifications behind the, the person that's saying it. And um, we, I, we actually have a big segment in the shift on, on influencers and that. And the, the problem I have with influencers is, yes, A, I've seen a lot of misinformation being spread, um, but B, it's the physical representation of health that they show. So you've got someone in a bikini doing a backwards bend on the beach, you know, and that's called yoga, um, which is actually the opposite of what yoga is all about. Yoga is about going within and tuning in and not that. Um, So I think to people on Instagram, et cetera, you see a tiny portion of their life and it can actually make us feel really crap about ourselves. So it's, it's definitely something that we want to have a look at, but you want to make sure that you're just checking your sources, but don't believe anything. You don't have to believe me even like it's go and do your own research. I think the beauty of the age of the internet is we can now our only source of health information was really going to the doctor before and what the doctor said went, and that is changing very, very rapidly. 
Um, and Dr. Google can be problematic. Don't get me wrong. You still need to get the advice of a qualified practitioner. Um, but it does mean that we can start to open our horizons and get this new information. You know, I spoke to quite a few of the doctors um, that I interviewed for the shift and I asked them, how long does it take for new information to get into mainstream medicine? And the consensus was 17 years with one oh. of the doctors um, actually saying up to 20 years. So that means that the gut health stuff we knew, we know now, and for 10 years we've known about the microbiome. It's been called the microbiome for about 10 years or so. That's going to be another five years, six years off until that actually gets adopted. And you can see it's beginning to, but it's very resistant. There's a lot of resistance to anything new. Um, so I think you have to do your own research, but just, just fact check, you know, just make sure that if, especially if it's a big change that you're going to make in your diet, you know, like you're going to go ketogenic or you're going to do something like, you know, go and check in with someone and see if that's good for your individual body type. Cause there's no perfect diet for everybody. You know, we're all so very different. So you want to eat the insert your name here diet is, is what I say. Yeah. Awesome. And have you noticed any shift or change in regards to women's health? Like you're noticing certain patterns starting to change or certain new conditions coming to play? Yeah, we're seeing a steep increase in things like polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis as well and adenomyosis. Um, all of those women's health conditions. And the main driver of that is actually um, environmental toxicity. So it's endocrine disruption. So in our environment, we have all kinds of endocrine disruption disrupting chemicals, things like phthalates, which are found in fragrances. So any of your conventional shampoo, body body care, makeup, anything that has a fragrance or a smell will have phthalates in it, which is known to increase risk of breast cancer and endometriosis. Um, plastics, so bisphenols and not just BPA, um, but BPAS, BP, BPS, BPD, so not just BPA-free plastic that you need to use, and all plastic can disrupt your chemicals, your hormones. Um, things like preservatives, like parabens that are found in makeup and different things as well. Car fumes are estrogenic even. So yeah. it's all of the environment of all of the environmental toxins most of them have this endocrine disrupting ability that it's the most common area that, that is affected so the, whether it's your thyroid or ovaries or pancreas or adrenals like they're re we're really getting smashed with this and a lot of it we can avoid doing things like eating organic you know i'm um, just avoiding plastics switching to natural hair care skin care can, can remove a lot of it but sometimes it's it's difficult to get rid of completely you know this chair i'm sitting on i'm sure has formaldehyde in it you know there's there's things in the environment that sometimes we can't get rid of but we just need to be as conscious as we can mm. and that can often come with a whole barrage of overwhelm like when you when you think about all of that and you think well i've got this condition or this concern like where do we even start it's super hard and it's depressing sometimes um, but I think you've just got to take it one step at a time so in my book um, it's broken down to, into three parts so in get well stay well the first thing I say is about awareness it's like what is normal for you okay because you're not going to know that I really I mean I'm a naturopath I'm completely biased but I really think that a naturopath is a good first port of call for people and, I, and the reason for that is that our appointments, it, it depends on the practitioner, but in our clinic, we spend 90 minutes with someone and we're looking at your whole health, the, the emotional, the physical, the history, everything. And we're the only modality really that does that because you might go and see an acupuncturist and they ask you those questions, but they also need to treat you in that hour that you're in front of them. So we're really, our whole system is around questioning and finding out what's wrong with you. And then we're a really good person to go, this is where you're at and here are your options. You go and do acupuncture, go and do this, go and eat this, etc. And it might not be naturopathy for some of our patients that come in. It's like, actually, you need emotional wellness more. So let's just give you a bit of dietary advice, you know, hop over to there and then later maybe we can address some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing your body, if, if you know your body, then that's where you start. And then if you know your body and what's going on, then you want to get a plan and just the one thing I say, is small shifts lead to profound changes. You don't have to change everything at once. But if you can see someone, then they'll be able to identify this is the thing that's going to make the most impact for you. You know, or you might read a book and go, okay, well, there's 50 different things I can do, but I know I can do that one and do one thing a week. And within a year, you've done that whole book, yeah? So just little bit by little bit. Yeah, nice. And I would love to know a little bit about how you balance being like a mom and then you've got your business and you're doing your podcast and so many speaking opportunities and things like that. How do you go about balancing your nutrition and your emotional wellness with everything that you're trying to do? Sorry, what's that word? Balance? I don't know yeah, that word. 
uh, balance. Um, I think it's about understanding that it's it's just all part of the journey of ups and downs. So I would say right now, it's would I call myself balanced? No. Um, I mean, I've just been working six months to produce this. Like we've been working day and night to get this thing out there, like my whole team um, and me. So at the moment, things aren't great. You know, things have gone downhill. You know, I've got a cold sore. I haven't had one for like two years. And I know it's, I knew it. I knew I was pushing it. My body's like, uh-uh, you can't do that. Um, but it's released now. It's out there. So now it's like, okay, we'll back back on getting the thing. So it's understanding that I'm a naturopath. I've got like 16 years of experience doing this and I still fall off the wagon. And sometimes my self-care goes out the window. Um, but the important thing is just trying to be conscious and mindful about it. So I, for me, I do that through my calendar. I make sure that I put in space. Um, there's times that are just off limits where I'm like, no, that's the, that they're the days I pick my daughter off and drop her off from school. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, I make sure that I've got like a bit of a, a more morning routine happening I make sure that I exercise three times a week because I know that if I don't everything's you know imploding for me I, I really need that but most of all I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last few years is just to be kind to myself and not so hard on myself when everything isn't perfect and when things go go awry and to roll with things more you know just to be like all right well you know today didn't go how I planned but let's just let's just get into it and do what we can and really um that's the best you can do I think that's the biggest piece of advice I'm having for people at the moment is just be kind to yourself you know and just just gentle with yourself be aware but be gentle Mm. and I think that message just needs to get out to so many more people because we're so caught up with having to have the perfect life and to be the perfect the mum, perfect boss, perfect everything. Whereas it's yeah. like, it's not life. You can't live life like that. It's just. Yeah. And we do as women, especially like, and it's, and it's that cliche of like, we want to have it all, but having it all, it's, it's a different interpretation for everyone, but having it all and being successful for me doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that I have the major book deal or I'm doing my, it means that I'm actually giving value to people. I'm getting love back and I'm happy and have joy in my life. You know, it's not just about being busy all the time. It's about cultivating joy and doing those things that I want to do too. So for some, for someone who is listening to this and going, well, how do you necessarily cultivate joy? Like what, what advice would you have for them? I think the first one is understanding that happiness isn't joy. And um, one of the questions I ask is how often do you laugh? What makes you laugh? You know, what is it? And it might be like, when was the last time you had a really good belly laugh? You know, what is it? Um, but also it might be removing some of those layers of trauma, toxic beliefs, the, you know, the emotional wellness stuff we spoke about earlier, because when we have all of this stuff, we're heavy. You know, we don't feel light. We don't feel joyous. And it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to really laugh or, or have that. Um, the other part, I think, is just being curious rather than um, critical. So being really curious as things come up and just really trying to appreciate the things in life more. You know, I find that for me, if, I, if I'm really stressed, I know I'm not as present with my daughter. So my number one thing is that no matter what I've going on when I'm with her, I'm with her. I'm like, right, what's going on? And she's hilarious. Like if I'm stressed, she annoys the crap out of me. But if I'm not stressed, it's just she's funny. She's a funny little human. So it's just that perspective shift of, of what works for you. Yeah. Um, for me, it's I've got like a group of friends that I know that we can just, you know, we, we can laugh about anything. It's just you've got to find out what's right for you. And make time for it as well. Like I find that most people don't even make time for the stuff that does bring them joy. They're so caught up in doing the next thing and making things happen specifically for whatever. And it's like they literally forget about actually living life. They do. They're existing. They're not living. Yeah. And a lot of us are like, I've been there. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's that say it's looping back to that same conversation is that we end up just existing because we let everything get on top of us. You got to be really conscious. And you know, if you're, if you're in survival mode because something's happened or whatever, that's okay. But be conscious that that's what you're in. You know, I'm in survival mode and right now I need a bit of wine and I need a bit of chocolate. I'm just going to get through this. And that's okay. As long as you're conscious of what you're doing and not just unconsciously doing the stuff. Yeah, on, on autopilot, not even thinking it through, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to know, what do you feel that you've learned about yourself throughout this whole journey of Brisbane Natural Health and your last, you know, 17 years of... So much. I mean, I, I've done a lot of self-healing. Um, and when I say self-healing, like I've seen a lot of people, but I've done a lot of growth and healing. I'm a very different person than I was three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Um, but I guess it's, for me... 
I can't think of what I've learned the most because um, uh, I, I feel like every there's always a new challenge, you know, as, as we go on and, and we upskill. I mean, the biggest thing for me was just being really clear on who I am, who, you know, who am I, what am I actually trying to achieve here? And I guess that comes back to that mindfulness and that presence. And that came in for me probably about five years ago or so, like about a few years through my business journey where I'm like, what am I even doing here? I've got these people, it's happening, but what are we actually trying to achieve? And by really drilling that down, I was able to attract better people. Like we had a better culture and our culture at our clinic is just amazing. Like we've got a fantastic group of people um, and it wouldn't happen unless I was really clear and really present with what was happening. And yeah, there's still kind of issues that come on along, but that's because we're growing. And as we grow, new stuff happens and then new stuff we've got to try, trial and test it, et cetera. Because um, I guess the biggest part of our business right now is that we've just expand into a lot of virtual. We've always seen people virtually, but it's been something we're really focusing on. So we have a lot of clients from the US, UK, um, you know, from the podcast stuff as well. You know, obviously people are listening all over the world, but we have now an, a virtual team that's dedicated to them as well. So it's just that next level of business and trying to figure out how we can keep our culture, you know, while we're in that virtual stage. And I'm learning about that now as well. It's been really interesting. Yeah. Awesome. That's so great. It's like taking your business next level and you have to be virtual in this day and age that most people are not in your space to be able to get to you one-on-one, but there must be such a difference too with one-on-one as well. Yeah, it's we think for the naturopathy side of things, it's probably about 90% of, of, of the way that the results that we'll get. But it's more um, the consults aren't the problem. It's like we're speaking now. I can see you. You can see me. We're videoing in case nobody yeah. knew that. <laughs> but um, when we're doing virtual, it's more around the management. So if somebody's physically sitting in front of us, it's a bit easier to kind of, you know, um, tear out the stuff in between. Whereas if they're in the US, it's more just about the digital management. How do we stay in touch? So we're messaging instead of calling you know where the our time frames might be a little bit different if someone needs us that day they might need to wait a few hours but it's just navigating that and trying to help them best we can awesome what are some key things that you've done to be able to grow your business to be able to get to this stage now everything all the things um but okay lots of things yeah anything in particular you could think that you'd love to share that has really supported the growth so the book, writing my book, absolutely, Get Well, Stay Well. Um, I released the book about almost four years ago now. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of a rewrite. Like it needs, to, there's just new stuff that needs to be in there. But having the book really helped. And I guess that from a couple of cents, people could read it and understand me and my concept and then that was fine. But also it just lends credibility, you know, and having having that and being an author is, is really good. I've done a lot, of, lot more speaking since the book came out as well. Um, but I think the next stage for us will podcast. And that's just this sheer volume and channel of being able to get into as many ears as we can. Um, but also I'm really proud of what we created with the shift podcast it isn't like anything else that's out there and i think people will listen to and go this is actually really cool and the intention is that they listen through all 12 episodes and at the end of that they know how to make their shift and whether it's with us or with someone else it's, that's fine but i know that a lot of people will listen to that and go i want to work with these guys because they know what they're doing um but ultimately um I, it's just new people yeah diff- different in a different way to just help people to learn and engage with us hmm. Awesome. That sounds great. I cannot wait to dive into some episodes and to hear all about it. Was there anyone particular that was your favorite that you interviewed or any key pieces? Oh, I don't have any favorites. There's so many favorites. (laughs) Um, Definitely Kate Reardon. Um, uh, Kate Reardon, um, she's fantastic. Um, Dr. William Davis, who's the author of Wheat Belly, was really great to interview. Lots of really cool stuff to say. Um, uh, who else? Every, everybody. Everyone was fantastic. And I know because I've been listening to them like hardcore for the last um, couple of months in production. But th- I had so many fantastic experts that had so many great things to say. So I'm really grateful for them as well, volunteering their time to help us make the shift. Mm, awesome. Sounds, um, sounds amazing. I cannot wait. Is there anything in particular that you learned about managing your team that you'd like to share? Like what's supported yeah, that? Yeah, it's get to know why you're doing what you do. That's that's the biggest thing. I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time on team. Um, we have team retreats quarterly where we'll go out of the clinic for a day and just workshop stuff. Where are we at? What are we wanting to achieve? Getting everyone's opinions. That's been by far the best thing that I've done for my business team, when it comes to team. Um, and just opening up channels of communication. So we co-manage our patients at our clinic. So every week we have two hours of meetings where we're, you know, workshopping people, Dr. House style. So we're always in contact. It's not just a heap of people in rooms that are sort of, you know, um, doing That's that. 
So that, that's been the biggest thing for us is just communication, being, allowing them to contribute as well because they're fantastic humans and they've got good things to say and just being really clear on what are our vision, what are our values, where are we trying to take this, this mm. thing, which so has been really important. important as we've moved through the rebrand as well because obviously that's a pretty big thing. Like our look, our feel is very different. You know, we're still us at the core of it, but we've been able to articulate what we do a little bit more as well. Mm. And I think that happens as a business evolves. It's not something that you can really articulate right from the beginning. And so as your business has evolved over the years, you're able to then really delve into those most important key components or the values that really stand out for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I'm really grateful for my team. They're an amazing, I was going to say women, amazing bunch of women. We have one man now. <laughs> um, but they're a great bunch of individuals. So it's, and they bring so much rich, richness and joy and value to my life as well. And I'm just really grateful that we've been able to, to build that and have that um, place to support each other. Awesome. What would you like to see happen with Brisbane Natural Health in the future? So what I would love to or see. Or the shift, I should say, sorry. Yeah, so with Shift, um, uh, it's there's, there's so much. And it's interesting because I, I, we're at this part where I know that things are going to change pretty rapidly. Um, but I would like to see us have our virtual team independent of our clinic team. So at the moment, the admin support sort of shared um, and actually have that built out separately. Um, I also would like to open a regional clinic in Rockhampton, um, which is in middle middle of Queensland. And we we actually do a virtual FIFO clinic out there. We are there every three months, but people in regional areas really miss out, I think. Um, and I wouldn't mind having a couple of regional hubs for, pe for people to come to. Cool. And yeah, and we're just creating a lot more online options for people. So if they just really can't get in or they're not ready to go through the full journey, they can learn and they can engage and they can help to shift ultimately. Mm, incredible. Oh, so good. And I think that's being able to have what you're creating within the clinic and that membership process and know that it's a journey and bring that wellness journey into a context of a longer period of time. I think so many more people are so open to that now. They're sick of going to one session here and one session there and they're not really having much of a shift, not really having much of a change in, in their life. So being able to create that and expand that across the country would be amazing. Yeah, I think so too. And I think this is the feedback that we're getting is people are just ready. They're like, I've done a bit of this. I've done a bit of that. Just sort me out. And yes. um, I do ultimately. And so is it, is it mainly that your, that your clientele that you have come to you, people with long-term concerns or is it just basically anyone with a health concern? Mostly people with complex or chronic things. So we don't, although to be honest, people don't often seek the help until they have complex or chronic things <laughs> so not this and I wish they did you know because if someone came and saw one of our team you know that they've just oh, I've just noticed a bit of bloating they probably only need one or two sessions like if they're done they're good but people don't often come and seek help and pay the money and go into that until they have got quite a lot going on for them um, but most, most of our people will be multi-system so they might have digestive symptoms and mood symptoms or sleep or hormones or that type of thing um, but yeah most most of our people do have more than one thing going on yeah, it's funny human beings. We're just like, rather than prevent, <laughs> we'll just wait till it's worse and then try to fix it. Yeah, and it's culture and we're trying to change that. You know, I'm working on a book at the moment actually around that concept of first-line medicine, which is like how do we triage properly because everybody has their place, but it should first always be diet lifestyle. If you can't do that, then it should be herbs, nutrients, acupuncture, your natural interventions, and then you go on to drugs and then surgery. So there should be a process that people go through, but you know, a lot of people don't understand that there's things out there that you can use to heal. A lot of doctors, most doctors don't understand naturopathy and what we do. And that's why we have this whole um, anti-naturopathic medicine movement in Australia from the Australian Medical Association because they really, truly don't understand it. Because if they did, they would realise that it's actually very good medicine with a lot of evidence behind it. It just seems to be this us against them. Mm. It'll integrate, I reckon, 10, 20 years, though. It's going to be taking yeah. a bit more time. Because it is. It's complementary. It's not a, a them against you like yeah exactly and they work really well together you know we can help to prevent side effects we can help get someone off a drug quicker we can help to prevent them even being on a drug we can help them recover from surgery like there's so so much co-management that goes on and we we do a lot of co-management but it's definitely not the mainstream thing just yet what would you like to see become mainstream in regards to health 
Oh, I would love it if doctors and naturopaths could work together. Yeah, side by side. Um, and there are a couple of clinics that do this um, that I've heard of where they'll come in and they'll have the appointment with both the doctor and the naturopath, their initial, and then they'll co-manage them. So it is happening. I think there's one in Byron Bay, which is amazing. Um, but I think it's just, but even if, if medical doctors understood what we do and we understood what they did, we could cross refer to each other. Actually, no, this is a medical thing. No, actually, this is a thing. It's scope of practice. Um, but unfortunately, doctors don't understand naturopathy. I have a lot of my patients, they'll come back and say, my doctor said that this doesn't work. I'm like, they have no new tra training in nutrition or herbal medicine. They literally don't know that that doesn't work. Mm. Um, but it's just this old school opinion. Um, one of the doctors I spoke to um, in the US said that it won't be until his generation of doctors all die that the next generation will actually come and be able to do the stuff it's like they're just so stuck in their ways it's it's a very big cultural issue mm. and as i said i've got nothing doctors it's the system that they're in you know they they go through a medical system which isn't it's not healthcare. you know they're taught to manage largely so i think that can change yeah, for sure. Because even like I had my sister, she went to, she had some inkling around, she'd done a bit of research around what was going on for her and her health. And she was kind of interested to see whether it would be adrenal fatigue. So she literally went to a GP and asked about that. And the GP was like, adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, and it was very much responded to like, you don't know what you're talking about. So just forget about it. Like, it's yeah, it happens all the time. And dysbiosis is a good example of that. So dysbiosis is an imbalance in the bacteria in the gut. It's We've been talking, I got taught dysbiosis at naturopathic college 16 years ago. You know, so we've known about this. But if you go and see a doctor, like that doesn't exist. Leaky gut is another good example, doesn't yeah. exist. Whereas now the science is clearly showing if you have a leaky gut, you have a leaky brain and you have higher risk of Alzheimer's, mood disorders, depression, all of that Stuff. so it's the science is there it's just doesn't get through for 17 years that's the problem mm. amazing just incredible i mean this i could talk to you about gut health and microbiome and just keep going about this for hours but i would love to know um what you're most excited about coming up for the rest of this year I'm just excited about the Shift podcast. Um, I know that it's going to change a lot of people's lives. I know that it's going to change the way a lot of people think about themselves and their health. And um, I truly believe it's going to make a really big impact. So that is the thing that I'm most excited about above all else. Um, we've worked really hard on the project. I'm, I'm excited about it and I just want people to start listening to it. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes so people can jump straight across and listen to it straight up. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This conversation has been fascinating. And just I want to acknowledge you for being able to be out there and you're pushing the boundaries of what is the norm in health and being able to be the voice for the voiceless and start making those shifts in, in mainstream health. So thank you so much for doing the work that you do. Thank you too. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me and I wish you all the best for the rest of the year and for the launch of your podcast. Thanks, Christine. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.